Welcome, everybody, back to the Rooted and Edified show. You are in for a special, special episode today titled Gaining a Biblical Worldview and Keeping It So Important. I'm your host, Katie Elias, along with your co-host, Manny Elias. Hello. And we have a special guest today to explain to us about a biblical worldview, Robbie Lashua. Happy dance for you. Oh, thanks so much. This is great. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Well, before we introduce Robbie Lashua a little bit more, I want to tell you a little bit more about our podcast. The Rooted Netified Show is a fun-loving, no-facade, Bible-believing, conservative Christian worldview show for both men and women who want to hear the four T's, which are testimonies, topics, talents, and theology, of course. We want to help you grow deeper in your relationship with Christ and more mature along your walk. And if we can get a few laughs on the side, we are completely happy with it. Absolutely. Just as a reminder, we are a video podcast and an audio podcast. So whichever is your preference, there's something available to you. And if you've heard this podcast and you want to reach out to us, you want to help support what we're doing here, feel free to check out our website, which is www.beautifullyrooted.com, which is spelled B-E-Y-O-U. And Beautifully Rooted is a ministry that I have for women that is a Christian mental health and education corporation, and this podcast is sponsored by them. So now I'd like to introduce to you again our guest here today, Robbie Lashua. Robbie Lashua is the newest apologist at Standard Reason, which is a very big apologist organization Amazing here. Amazing ministry. Formerly, Robbie was a pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona, an associate professor at Mission Bible Institute, and host of Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a weekly mm-hmm. apologetics podcast. I love the fact that your church had an apologist apologetics ministry. That's amazing. I've never heard of that, and I would love to hear more about that. And I think your podcast is amazingly titled so important. Christ, culture, and coffee. How can you do without coffee? <laughs> no, right? We, we did put them in order of importance, right? Yes. Christ first, and then it went down. But right? here, <laughs> we praise the Lord for coffee. Sometimes we put coffee in the middle. Sometimes we put coffee in the middle. Above culture, sure. Not, <laughs> not Christ. So having earned his bachelor's degree from Arizona Christian University, a master's of divinity from Phoenix Seminary, and a master's degree in Christian apologetics from Biola University, Robbie has a passion for equipping the church with good reasons to believe in classical Christianity. Amen. Praise God for that. Most importantly, Robbie has been married to his wonderful wife, Kelly, for over 13 years, and they're raising four amazing kids to love and serve Jesus. So, Robbie, that is an amazing introduction. Bio. Yeah. A- amazing Thanks. introduction. It just, means, it just means I'm a super nerd and I like school. That's all that it means, you know? Perfect. <laughs> so, would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and any ministry that you're a part of or that you want to let us know about any promotions you have coming up? Yeah. So, you know, I work at Standard Reason and I'm an apologist there. So I do a lot of speaking. We have our reality conferences that are going on right now. We just started two weeks ago. You guys were there at the SoCal reality. Uh, We're going out to Seattle in a couple of weeks. We're going to be in Minneapolis, Dallas, Philadelphia, and Augusta, Georgia. So we're kind of full on reality conference tour for students. So we'd love people to check us out at realityapologetics.com. But everything else is at str.org. That's where all of our stuff is. We write, we have podcasts, we have videos, we have free curriculum that we call STRU on a whole bunch of different topics. Uh, We have outposts, which are like chapter groups across the country that are teaching apologetics in the local church. And that's one of my main things is discipling directors who are discipling people in their churches in apologetics. So we're doing a bunch of stuff. The best way to check us out is just str.org. 
I love that. And I think we highly, highly recommend mm, the reality absolutely. conferences. Absolutely. Okay, let's jump in. Thanks again, Robbie, for being here. Yeah. As a person who is so loaded with an apologetic history, and for those that aren't quite sure what apologetics is, can you give us a brief overview of what is apologetics? How did you get that at your church? And then can you tell us what drew you in to this kind of study? Yeah, so apologetics, it's just a fancy theological word for defending your faith. It comes from 1 Peter 3.15 that says, uh, always be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the hope that is in you. And the word defense is apologia. So that's where we get the word from, right? Apologetics. We get it from the Greek. It's not word. saying I'm sorry. No, no. That's what whenever people say, oh, you're an apologist, <laughs> man, your marriage must be amazing. That's what people <laughs> always say to me. But um, yeah, that's, that's what it means. And so it's defending the faith, having a reason for why we believe what we believe, not just saying, well, the Bible says so, or my pastor said so, but having a well thought out reasoned account for why we believe that Christianity is true. And so it's multifaceted. So you, you can do apologetics in a whole bunch of different studies. So you can do philosophical apologetics. You can do archaeological apologetics. You can do theological apologetics. So it's really a cool field because it's defending the faith in all spheres of thought. So I, I think there's really something for everybody when it comes to apologetics. What drew you in to this field of apologetics? I think it goes back to when I was a kid. So I grew up in Northern Arizona, which is not the desert. There's pine tree forest. It's pretty. It snows up there. And a lot of people don't know that it was founded. Northern Arizona was founded by Mormons. The reason was because when Brigham Young brought the Mormons out of the country, right, they moved to Mexico, essentially. Utah was Mexico at the time. They moved out of the country to practice polygamy, and he sent Mormons north and south in a line from Salt Lake City because they were going to take over the West Coast and make it Mormon land. They were going to make their own country. So all of Northern Arizona, except for a couple towns, were founded by Mormons. So my, my little town of Pine, Arizona, it was founded by Mormons. There's a strong LDS presence up there. And in the mid-70s, uh, my grandpa moved there to plant a church. It was teaching Christianity. My mom and dad met there. So I was born in this small, small town in the backwoods of Arizona. And as I grew up, I had tons of Mormon friends because that's who was there. And so from an early age, I knew like, I need to know why I think they're wrong. And I need to know why I think I'm right. And saying, because my grandparents say so, or because my mom and dad says so, they could say the same thing. And so I just knew there had to be more to it. And it seemed like studying and pushing into things and asking good questions and um, seeking answers to your doubts. If God is real, he should be able to answer, you know, my 12 year old questions. And so I, I did. I just started asking questions at that age. And then when I got into college, I found out this was like a thing. Like there's this thing called apologetics. And it blew my mind that there's so much written about it and so many people doing such great work. And uh, when I got my first iPod, uh, my friend told me about this guy named Greg Kokel, who did apologetics all the time. And he had a radio show every week and you could just download it onto your iPod. And so I started listening to Stand to Reason in like, it was like 2004, I think. And I just ate it up and I got into everything and I got all the books and I read all the books. Then I found out you could get degrees in this. So um, I just loved it. And I thought, this is what Christians need to know, because if you know the truth, and you know this is the way the world really is, you're not going to walk away from it, right? You might be stupid and you might want to sin, 
But logically, you can't just deny all this evidence. And so that's that's really kind of what drew me into doing what I do. Well, I love that. And I love how God brought that around. He heard about Greg Kokel and you just said, hey, in 20 years, that's where I plan to be. And you stuck to it. Crazy. No, I, I couldn't imagine working at Standard Reason. It's bizarre to me. I, I still, it's weird that I work there, to be honest. It's great, but I never dreamed I would be able to work there. So God's good and he's blessed me. And um, my five-year plan is to not screw this up. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. So, <laughs> What is my one goal? Not mess this up. I think it's amazing how, how the Lord drew you to the right place, to the right people. There was almost an anti-intellectual movement in the church for a while where, oh, yeah, that's not necessary. You just need to seek the Holy Spirit. And if that person is going to believe, they're just going to believe. And I'm like, but our God is a reasonable God. Yes. Right? Our God uses reason and he gave us reason. I converted in 93. And I remember later on learning about apologetics where in 93, it was almost ostracized if you emphasized apologetics, you know, because they're like, oh, you don't have faith. You need all the, and I'm like, no, it's just that our faith is an evidential and historical faith. Yes. And it's based on evidential and historical events. Yeah. And evidence isn't the antithesis to faith. Like, that whole movement, because there's a lot of people who, who had that perspective of, it's called fideism, like faithism. And it's almost like the less evidence I have, the more blind faith I can have which that's just stupid because that's not what the Bible ever tells us to have. Faith means trust. And you have to know somebody's trustworthy in order to trust them. And if you don't, you're stupid. Like that's just the truth. Like you shouldn't trust people who aren't trustworthy. And so, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's, it's amazing to me. People just have this uh, pixie dust, Peter Pan type Correct, faith. Brother. That's Correct. not what the Bible talks about. You should trust trustworthy people. That's good advice mm. for apologetics. That's good advice yeah. for those of you that are out there dating. You know I have a passion <laughs> for that. Well, our topic today is gaining a biblical worldview and keeping it mm. so important. Now, I would love to say that as Christians, we know what a worldview is, but not everybody does. And I can speak for myself from experience because I was a believer who had no idea what that was for a very long time. In fact, I don't think I ever heard that word or that phrase utilized from the pulpit. So can you help us understand the basics? What is a worldview? Are there different kinds? What would be some examples? Yeah, so there are different kinds, but a, a, a basic definition of a worldview would be your view of reality and the basis of your decisions. So that's basically what it is. Your view of reality and the basis of your decisions. Now, there's a lot of questions that fall under that. So, you know, you'd have to think about what's the ultimate reality? Is there a God? Is there no God, right? Is the universe ultimate reality or is there a divine mind behind everything? Uh, questions that worldviews answer, you know, what is a human being? Am I just the highest evolved animal on earth that accidentally came into being? Or was I intentionally created by a God? And if I was, which God? And, and how does that inform what I am? What happens to me when I die? How do we know right and wrong? These are worldview questions. And honestly, everybody makes decisions based on those types of questions. They might not have a really well thought out worldview, but everybody has one because we have to, to, to make decisions in the world. Great definition. I really love how yeah, you so summed it up in, in such late terms as well, because sometimes people can get extremely technical and people still get lost and don't understand it. I really do appreciate that. 
Yeah, it's a simple thing. And now there's different ones. You know, you can categorize them. There's theism, right? So that would be one that thinks there's a God. So Christianity, Judaism, Islam would fall under that. Atheism, there is no God, right? And you can get into the Eastern religions like monism, where there's just a mind behind everything, but it's impersonal. So there's just, there are different types of worldviews. Absolutely. I've had friends who claim to be atheists, and they were shocked when I told them, you have a lot more faith than I do, in a sense. You know, the way they they label (laughs) faith, right? Because they don't label faith as trust. They label it as believing something blindly without any evidence. You believe in a missing link while it's still missing. Like it hasn't been found. (laughs) Yeah. You believe that material just popped into existence out of nothing? Nothing comes from nothing. And my worldview says nothing or there was something right? That created everything. And so, yeah, it's, it's a atheism or naturalism is a tough worldview uh, to make sense of science even. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's one that I don't think works. Considering I did not have a biblical worldview or even understand what a worldview was, I'm very passionate now about teaching our children about what that is. For me, this is my late terms. And if I was to ask them, what is a worldview? Cause we just went over this. They would say, it's the view that we have that answers life's tough questions. Yeah, that's great. That's my, that was my kid version of that. <laughs> I like that. No, I think that that's great. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's how, how we view stuff, right? Like when, when, when uh, you know, bad things happen to us, do we think it's a demon attacking us? Do we think it's just bad luck because there's no supernatural world? You know what I mean? Like it does play into what you think is happening in the real world in so many different ways. Yes. So time for the big question of the day. What is a biblical worldview? What does that look like? Well, a biblical worldview would be a worldview that accepts what the Bible says is real. <laughs> so that's, that's what it is, basically, right? Simply. From the Christian perspective, we would say God exists, and he's a particular God. He's not Allah, and he's not the Jewish idea of God. He's a triune God who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We would say that he has attributes that are very important for our existence, such as he's super powerful, which makes sense because look at what he's made. He's very intelligent, which makes sense because if we look into biology or we look into cosmology or Amen. anything, so complex. we see Amen. such amazing complexity and design. So he's, he's orderly, super smart, he's super powerful. But we also can, can understand that he's a personal God. He wants a relationship with us. He, he's not just a divine computer. He's a person who has emotions and feelings. He also loves us. And I think you can deduce this just from looking at the world around you. We, we didn't have to live in a world with color. We could have lived in a sepia tone world or a black and white world, right? So why color? It seems like whoever made all this likes color color and likes to waste beauty on us. I often ask people, how much would you pay for a sunset if they weren't free? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like think about pe- people will pay, people will pay, you know, to take a family to Disney. It's got to be close to a grand now, right? So you'll pay a thousand dollars to go watch the world of color and you'll watch, you'll watch fountains squirt up and they'll backlight them with some pink lights and show a cartoon on it. And we got, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And then there's like a sunset happening at the beach right behind you. God wastes beauty, right? And it's just free and it's just out there. So there's this benevolent idea of this God. The same with food, right? All food could have tasted the same and it doesn't. He, for some reason, he thinks we need cheesecake. 
and steak and ribeye. And you know, so what, what, what do we deduce from all this? Well, it seems like he, he wants us to enjoy things, not just survive. So the Christian God is a specific God with specific attributes. Then you move into where did all this stuff come from? The Christian story is God made all the stuff, right? God created the universe and he created us human beings, which is the third question you want to answer. What's a human? We are specially created beings that are made in God's image and likeness, which is extremely important for equality, which is extremely important for uh, the significance of human history as a whole. So you got to get God right in order to understand who you are, right? Then you move into what happens at death. Well, the Christian story has an answer to that. You either spend eternity with the creator or you spend eternity separated from the creator. Then you get into how do we know things? And I think this is a really interesting one. Like, how do you know that you know that you know, right? How do you know you're not in the matrix right now, Kat? How do you know you're not just a brain with electrodes, right? And really, the Christian view gets back to God created us to have a mind, which is not our brain. It's an immaterial part of our soul. And we can understand things that are out there because God hardwired us to understand the things he made out there and to be able to understand ourselves. See, the atheists, they, they can't answer that question. They, they posit maybe we are just looking at you know codes of zeros and ones, and it's getting filtered through our mind. They can't explain how you can trust your thoughts. The Christian can. We can say we can trust our thoughts because God created us with thoughts that are trustworthy about the real world. So that's a cool one. Get into what's right and wrong. How do we know right and wrong? Well, there's two ways on the Christian worldview. One is God created every human being with a conscience. So we have alarm bells that go off inside of us when we do something bad. Now you can sear it and you can suppress it, but little kids all have that alarm bell go off when they do something bad, conscience. But we also have his word given to us. We understand the the requirements. We understand what, what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live. And then you get to what's the purpose of human history? All of us collected as a whole, what's the point of that? And the Christian story has an answer to that. We had God who created us to be kingdom priests, right? We were supposed to be king priests and rule over this creation and create image bearers of ourselves to help rule this earth in relationship with God. And we messed that up with sin. We fell, we broke the world, we broke ourselves. And God has been on a redemption mission ever since Genesis 3. And he's showed us who he is through interacting in human history, specifically who he is interacting with the Israelites and telling us that he's going to bring one who will bless all families of the earth, which was Jesus Christ, who can redeem us and bring us back into the original state we were supposed to be in before the fall, where we can choose to do what's right all the time. And so the Christian worldview has answers to these big seven questions of life that every worldview, every good worldview should answer. I feel like we can just end right there. That was enough to like, <laughs> to end right there. No, but we're not going to, so stay, stay listening. I was thinking, you know, when you were saying that God is not just this big computer, this mm. series of zeros and ones, I'm thinking, well, he's not AI, he's AO. <laughs> alpha and omega. Yeah. Yes. Hey, that's a good <laughs> that's one. Right. AI, AO, A-O, alpha yes. and omega. Correct. I like it. Yes. Uh, also, I think that when it comes to a worldview that tackles 
difficult questions. These are not easy questions. I think a lot of people ponder these questions, sometimes can't sleep at night thinking about these questions. Like, where do I really come from? Where am I going? And I think sometimes at the center of a lot of these questions is the ultimate fearful one, which is what will happen to me when I die? Yeah. And right, because an atheist will easily just tell you, well, you return to dust, so live it up. As Paul yeah. said, if that's true, then we should just drink, eat, and be merry. That's right. If that's true. But if that's not true, right? And there is life after death, and you do have to ultimately face the person that you are most accountable to, the Lord right. himself. Man, what a dreadful thing it is if you do not have Christ in your life. Amen. And I was thinking that I know a lot of people that are out there that don't believe in Jesus or don't believe in Jesus the way that he actually is, think that they're just Good fine. Point. However, as a therapist, I'm thinking, man, how many mental health issues come from mm. having the wrong answers to our worldview? Good having point. Having an incorrect worldview. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, well, you have a lot of things unanswered or that are unsatisfactory. And you won't be able to find your identity in him, right? If you don't know who Jesus is. Until you accept him. So go ahead and just accept him right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, and if you think about it, the way that our species got off track was through believing a lie. And anytime we believe lies, it devastates us. And it's, it's really interesting to think about because a lie is how the real world isn't, right? That's, That's what a lie is, how things aren't. And so God's trying to say, no, this is reality. This is how I made things. This is truth. And Satan comes along and says, no, actually believe in a fantasy world even though you live in this world. And whenever we do that, it harms us, right? Whenever we believe in a lie, it's really devastating to us and who we were made to be, right? To believe in the lie that I can put diesel fuel in a regular gas engine. That's not going to work. Because it's not how things work in the real world, <laughs> Absolutely. right? Young people are like, diesel? <laughs> What's what, diesel? What is diesel? Yeah. Clothing brand. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's where Satan's got us off track is he's the father of lies and he tells us the way things aren't. And if we believe that and live our lives according to it, it's devastating. And that's what every false worldview is. It's believing the way things aren't. Um, and, and the problem with it is you get into worldviews. And I think that there's, there's three things that a good worldview should have. It should be logical. So on paper, when you write it out, it should make sense, right? So if you had a worldview that said there is no God, and then you get to where did the universe come from? And you said, well, God made it. Eh, wait a second. That's illogical. You can't, you can't have those. On paper, this doesn't even work, right? So you need to have it logically work together with all the questions. But the second thing you need to have is it needs to be literal. You could have a really logical worldview on paper. But then you get into the real world and that's not how things are, right? It doesn't work out there. But then the last one is that your worldview needs to be livable. And this is the one that cracks me up is because atheists don't live out their worldview. They write books and they argue with us and act like they're doing something significant. But their worldview says everything's predetermined and you never really make any choices. But man, they act like they make choices all the time and they act like I can make choices not to believe in God, right? So they're not even living it out. The, the Hindu, right, who thinks that the universe is just a big illusion and we got to get out of the illusion. They look both ways when they cross the street. 
But the bus is just an illusion, right? They eat food. They put gas in their car. Anyways, you're going to reincarnate, yeah. right? <laughs> That's right. But you, you can't even live out that belief, right? You can't live out the belief that this is all an illusion. You eat, you drink, you sleep, you, you don't get hit by a train. Um, so a good worldview should have those three criteria. It should be logical, it should be literal, and it should be livable. Logical, literal, and livable. And livable. That's right. The three L's. Amen. Yeah. Lots of L's. By Lashua. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that most Christians have a biblical worldview? Oh, man. I don't know. Um, that's hard to say. I, I, I can only go off of like, the statistics that we read about. So I have a few numbers here. So this is from, I, I'm an adjunct professor at Arizona Christian University here. And in 2021, George Barnes there, and they did this American Worldview Inventory. And uh, here's a couple of things that came out of this study. They said that one third of people with a biblical worldview. So these are people who claim to believe in Jesus and follow him and go to church a certain amount of times uh, a month. People like that, one third of them embrace the concept of karma. Wow. Now, that's crazy because karma doesn't fit in with the Christian worldview at all, right? Karma is you work to get forgiveness. You're not given forgiveness. Well, it's not even forgiveness. It's works-based salvation in a sense. They said that nearly half of everyone who said they're theologically born again, half of them accept premarital sex as morally acceptable. Well, that's convenient. That's Yeah, it's very convenient. <laughs> Clearly against scripture, though, right. um, and not believing it in who God says you are and what marriage is supposed to be, right? Then there's one more. 44% of people who identify as born-again Christians, they don't believe that people are born in sin. And 69% of them embrace the idea that people are basically good. So again, wow. this is just completely not the Christian worldview, right? Because because of the fall, we are born and we sin. Like this is... It's kind of theology 101, but a lot of Christians don't know their biblical worldview and they're getting informed from the media, social media. And what, what I think a lot of Christians have is what I would call a swirled view. Hmm. They're taking a little bit of this karma thing because that sounds cool. And I like to do yoga on the side. And oh man, I didn't know Norse mythology was so cool. I like Thor. And they mix all this stuff together into an incoherent mess. And Satan doesn't care. He doesn't care if it logically makes sense. He just cares that people are straying from the truth. And so unfortunately, a lot of people um, have messed up views because they're, you know, buffet style worldview. But also a lot of churches are just teaching self-help anyway. So they're not they're not teaching the Bible. So it's, it's no wonder people don't come away knowing what the view of the Bible is. Hmm. Great points, Robbie. Great points. And I I love that term. Swirl view. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have a swirl view. <laughs> much easier, much sounds much cooler than syncretism. <laughs> That's right. Yep, same thing, but yeah, swirled view, right? I think that definitely fits with a society and a generation of people who are not about boundaries. It's about everything is acceptable. So that seems like that would fit that you could take from this one here and this one over here and this one over here and just kind of put it together because there are no clear lines about what is right and what is wrong. Also, one of the things that I personally always like to emphasize when, when I speak to people about the gospel is a lot of Christians who don't have a biblical worldview. And, and normally you have to call out 
the most prevalent sin in our nation or sin in the world that's growing at, at such a fast pace, which is LGBTism. And I do say ism, you know, because it is almost developing its own worldview. It's a religion, man. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it's a religion, it is so man. strong. And when you don't have a good biblical foundation, a good biblical worldview, and something new happens, say this is a new fad, this is a, a new topic, something new that's taking over our youth, right? Which is our next generation. And it starts growing yeah. and they start getting older and they're more affirmed, affirmed in that particular worldview. And if you're not prepared as a believer, most Christians will end up saying, well, as long as that's who they are and that's who they identify as, God made them that way. And yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. And unfortunately, Robbie, I think one of the things that we have Currently, like I said, it's a prevailing sin, right? It's a prevalent sin right now because it's one that's being promoted and endorsed by our own government. It's yeah, gotten well, to the sadly, it's being, it's being endorsed by a lot of evangelical Christians too, you know? Yeah. That's like just this last week, Andy Stanley had this conference at his church, which was all about parents and how do you, oh, you man. know, love your LGBT child, which is great. And my coworker, Alan Schlesen, went to it. Of course, it is. Absolutely. So, I've heard Alan, Alan was at this, so this isn't hearsay. I heard this straight from a guy who was there, but Andy Stanley had, had people who were practicing homosexuals, married men who were presenters at this conference. So what wow. he's, what he's modeling is this is a fine alternative and we can just agree to disagree. No, we can't. That is not what scripture says. That's not a biblical worldview. Homosexual sex is sin. Now that doesn't mean we don't love people, Right. I have sin in my life. Like we all sin, right? That's that's not the question here. But to promote something as a healthy lifestyle and that God will will be fine with when it's destructive and it's hurtful and it's harmful, we, we can't applaud people into unhealthy lifestyles. But a lot of Christians are caving on this because of the cultural pressure. And I think a lot of it's because they don't have a biblical worldview. So they're trying to twist scriptures to fit what they want to be true. And, and Robbie, you mentioned something that really, it, it broke my heart right now. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Andy Stanley is Charles Stanley's son, correct? That's right. The late Charles Stanley, right? Who passed away not too long ago, I believe. And the thing is, I grew up listening to his father. Yeah. And his father had such an amazing teaching ministry mm -hmm. to the point where I'm like, wow, man, this makes so much sense. What he's appealing so much to scripture, to scripture, to scripture. Yeah. And to think that his son has pretty much derailed. And it, it really breaks my heart, you know? I don't see that with Israel. It just takes one generation. Man, that's one, so yeah. true. One generation salvation is not the next, right? So how important is it for us to teach our children a biblical worldview? And I'm sure he taught his child I'm pretty worldview. Sure we don't did. know what happened, but just, just as a reminder how important that is. You even mentioned that you think that people that support LGBT and follow that at, like a religion, LGBT is now a, a religion. It's a cult, absolutely. Definitely. A lot of times I think people in my field, in the therapeutic field and the medical field, promote it so much. I, I thought to myself before, why is that? Why are people that are in my field that are supposed to have the answers to many questions, that are supposed to be guiding these people to make healthy choices, why is it that they're falling for all these things, the woke agenda and the LGBT, which oftentimes is mixed. But then sometimes I think, well, they don't have the answers. They listen to people who speak loudly. They won't mm. listen to Christians, but they listen to people who speak loudly. And because they don't know the answer, because they don't know Christ quite often, they go along with what is being said. 
Yeah, I think that's true. It, it goes deeper than that, though, because modern day psychology is built on an atheistic worldview. So, so with that premise that there is no God and we can do whatever we want, how do we help people? Well, let's just help them to be happy. Right. And it's just, so you see, if there is really no morality that you have to abide by, and the one thing that matters is consent, which is basically as long as you're not hurting anybody else, Great do point. whatever That's- you want, right? And so it goes back to worldview, the assumption of atheism within modern day psychology because of Freud, right? That's where it comes from. So they, they, they are assuming right off the bat, there aren't, aren't real right and wrongs. Do whatever you want. Whereas we're over here saying, no, God says this is the best way for you to live. It will harm you. Yeah. And so it's just, it does. It's always worldview. It always comes back to worldview questions. So speaking of Freud, just to throw in there, you know what a Freudian slip is, yes? <laughs> yes. yes. It's when you say one thing, but you meant your mother? All right. Is there a difference between biblical worldview and Christian worldview or are the terms interchangeable? Well, I think they should be the yeah, same thing, right? Um, a Christian worldview would be a biblical worldview. Now, again, people are going to use these terms to define whatever they want. So somebody might say, I have a Christian worldview. Correct. And you say, well, no, but you disagree with the Bible on this. So the best way to know what somebody means when they say something is just to ask him, what do you mean by mm, that? Right? Good point. What do you, how are you defining biblical worldview? So, but I think, yeah, I'd use them interchangeably. Do you think that my experience of not hearing that phrase or understanding what that was from the pulpit, do you think that's pretty common? Yeah, I think it's a, common. Do you think that pastors are doing a great job overall of helping people gain a biblical worldview? I think there's a lot of great pastors in our country that are teaching the Bible and going verse by verse and teaching through even Malachi and Obadiah. And then I think there's a bunch of pastors who are just teaching self-help nonsense, which we would call a moralistic therapeutic deism. And they're the popular ones because they're not teaching anything difficult. They're not teaching about sin. They're not teaching about your need for a savior. So I think there's a lot of great pastors doing amazing work that we never hear about. But I think what's popular in our circles is nonsense. And so I think a lot of people aren't getting it. I think a lot of big churches aren't getting truth. Now, there are some. I know some big churches that, man, are going straight through the Bible, teaching a biblical worldview, a whole counsel of God. Was that the church that you were at? Well, the church I work at does that, yeah. Well, I don't work there. I'm an elder there. But there's a church up in Portland, Oregon called Athey Creek, and they are unbelievable in teaching the Bible. Like, they literally go Genesis to Revelation, then they start over. That's their teaching method. (laughs) And it's really good. The pastor teaches for like an hour and 15 minutes every Sunday and every Wednesday. And it's it's awesome. And you know what's crazy? People are eating it up. I think they have like 12,000 people that go to that church in Portland. It's crazy. But I think people are so hungry for truth. And it's been so watered down in so many evangelical churches. Not all. I think there's a lot of great pastors. But no, I don't think a lot of people are, are getting it. But I don't think you have to hear the world worldview to grow up and understand what a biblical worldview is, right? It's not like you have to have that concept. If you're just being taught, this is reality. God created things. We are his creatures. We have a problem. It's called sin. We need help. You know, those types of things. You have a view of the world that's happening. Do you think a biblical worldview is a condition for salvation? Um, no, I'm pretty lax on what you need to believe in to get saved. Jesus said, he who believes in me will never die. Absolutely. Do you believe this? And Mary said, yes, right? 
So I think we're trusting in a person, not in our theological understanding. Absolutely. Great. And that's, that's important. And so, um, I'm so thankful that I don't have to have all my theology together to go to heaven. I just have to trust in Jesus and he had his stuff together. Right. And he paid my way. So I don't think you have to, I do think having a non-biblical worldview can keep you from trusting in Jesus. If you don't believe there's a God. Correct. you've got some hurdles to cross before you're going to trust in Jesus for salvation, right? So I think non-biblical worldviews keep people away, but I don't think you have to have the perfectly fine-tuned biblical worldview in order to to be saved. Great points, Rabbi. And I think that comes down also to agreeing on the essentials of the Christian faith, that every believer must believe in the essentials of the Christian faith to be a believer. The way we label it is like, if you believe in the essentials of the Christian faith, you are my brother in Christ. That's the way I see it, right? If you believe that the Lord Jesus is God in the flesh, that you believe that he rose on the third day, you are my brother in Christ. I mean, essentially. Essentially. (laughs) Essentially, that's right. (laughs) And I do think there are secondary doctrines that even if they are not essential, though, however, they are an important, important element, an important factor in how you will live your Christian life. Like there's a lot of people that don't live a spirit-filled life. There's a lot of people who, because of these other doctrines, right? For example, people who are extremely sensationalistic with regards to eschatology. And they're always fearful. Oh, Jesus might come tomorrow. And what if I happen to sin that day and then he comes and he leaves me? You know, and I'm going to be here with the Antichrist or something like that. Or they see something on the news and they're like, oh, that means the world's about to end. And I think when it comes to that, it is good to be informed and to have a biblical worldview as a believer. Yeah, because that's not a biblical worldview, right? We're not there supposed to live in fear. Absolutely. The book of Revelation was given to us to excite us about heaven. So they're Absolutely, not brother. living Absolutely. in a Great point. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, but we, we got to, you know, be close-fisted on the essentials, right? And be open-handed with the non-essentials and be open to be able to talk with other brothers and sisters about those things. So not open handed, so you can smack them to know yeah, no, the no, right no, essentials. No, no. Not open handed, so you can smack them. No. <laughs> All right, wrong open show. Open handed, so you can talk about it. Don't hit them with the word of God, <laughs> literally. So, really important questions. One, if somebody's listening and they're thinking, "Oh my goodness, I do not have a biblical worldview," and they want to take steps of gaining one, how do they do that? Where do they start? Yeah, I would say uh, a good resource is Stand to Reason, right? str.org. Uh, If you go there and you go under our training tab, we have this thing called STRU, which are free online courses that you can take that train you in theology and apologetics. And actually, I taught one called Evaluating Worldviews. And so that would be a good place to go to start. But also, you know, studying the scripture and seeing what God says we are, because the maker is the one who's informed to tell us about reality. He made this stuff, so he's in the position to tell us about it. So obviously, getting in your word and understanding what God says. Um, but also, there's some really good good books on Christian worldview. So the classic book is called The Universe Next Door by James Sire, S-I-R-E. And I think it's in its fifth or sixth edition. It is the work on a bunch of different worldviews. He breaks it down into the seven questions, what each one says about it, why they're good, why they're not, and shows how Christianity is true. So that one is just great. I would highly recommend The Universe Next Door by James Sire. I'm going to check that one out for sure. I'm thinking also that 
in addition, if you're gain, trying to gain a biblical worldview, you need to be surrounded by, at mm-hmm. least have one, but surrounded by mature believers that you can yeah. ask questions to that seem wise and that you can see evidence of that fruit in their life. You see this, that they're well-seasoned, they're able to answer questions, and you see the fruit in their life. I really do enjoy the resources that um, STR offers, and, and the red pen is one of my favorite too, you know? And I think so many believers, because they don't know scripture, because they don't have these answers that are actually readily readily available to them, like through your ministry, right? Through um, opening the scriptures, opening the Bible every day and reading it. When they are approached with people who have these questions, they tend to either shy away or sometimes give the wrong impression of what it is to be a Christian. Because that person, when you don't have that answer, is going to think, oh, yeah, you just believe in a blind faith. And I'm glad. I'm glad for your ministry. I'm glad for STR, for the resources that they offer. One of the things I hope Christians realize is you might not know the answer, but you've never had an original doubt or question. All of the questions I've wondered about scripture or anything, I'll look it up and some dead dude from 500 years ago (laughs) wrote a whole book about it. Because he thought of it first, you know? So th- you're right. The resources are there. We just have to go look and, and not be lazy. Uh, we have to investigate our doubts. That's a great point about the resources. And sometimes even going into antiquity, there's old yeah. books that were written. And I'm like, man, these people already thought of a lot of these things and answered them. Yeah. And I'm sure well, they were smarter than us. They didn't have TV, right? <laughs> they didn't have waste all their time watching the NBA like I do, so. And I'm sure they have a lot of audio books now so that if you don't want to read a thousand page book, oh, yeah. you can listen to it on your way to work, on the way home. Yeah, or podcasts like this, you know, and there's so many resources. If people want a Christian worldview, all the resources are there. And if they don't get it, it's just because they're not seeking it out. Yeah. Great point. So just as a side note, if you are watching this video podcast and you see a change in Manny and I here, that's because our camera broke down, but we are back here. So that's what happened. So finding a biblical worldview, is this something that is reserved for older people once they're married with children? Or is this something at any age we should get started? Yeah, no, I I think we should start training our kids with biblical worldviews once they're kids. Like, yeah, once they're little, like, I mean, it's, it's simple things though. It's not rocket science. Like I, I take my kids outside, you know, like when, when my daughter was two, one of our favorite things, we'd go out in the backyard and I'd say, Greta, what's that? And she'd say, that's the moon. And I'd say, who made that? And she says, God made that. That's right. And who, what's that? That's a tree. Greta, who made that? God made that. And then I'd say, what's that? And I point at her. She'd say, I'm Greta. And I say, who made that? And she'd say, God made me. And she'd think it was ridiculous. Like, dad, come on, you're stupid. Like, of course God <laughs> made me. But I'm trying to get her to process there is a God. He created the universe and you're part of his creation. Like, these are things we, we can really simplify for kids. So, no, it's not something you have to go to school for. It's simple. How do we view the world? Is there a God? Is there not? Who are we? What's going to happen to us when we die? We got to be talking to our kids about heaven and hell. We got to be talking about the gospel, right? And why we need a savior. We got to talk about sin. So it's just, it's just as we're going, like Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, right? As we're going, we're training up our children along the path. When we lay down, we're teaching them God's word. Or how does somebody keep themselves from falling away from a biblical worldview? How does someone keep it in a, in the culture, in a land, in a time when progressive, even progressive Christianity progressive ideology and Christianity is so prevalent. It's so prevalent here and now. How does somebody keep from losing that biblical? 
worldview because we, we keep seeing posts from people that say, hey, go, just so that you guys know. Constructing your faith. Exactly. We, I was a strong believer, but let me tell you why I have been liberated mm-hmm. to this new yeah. belief. Yeah. So it really comes down to who's the authority in your life. Is it God or is it you? Wow. Is it man or maker, right? And that's why we even did that at our conference this year. That was the theme, man or maker, because that's really what it comes down to. And so am I going to listen to the guy who made everything and knows how it works? Or am I going to listen to my feelings, my desires, my wants, my selfishness, and put myself in God's position? That's really what it comes down to. Or am I going to listen to other men, right? And I, this is what I often think of. I'm not that great. Um, I haven't really done much. And all these smart dudes, all these smart deconstructionists, like what have they done? Uh, they stopped believing in something they used to believe in. Well, that's not even that difficult. So why should I listen to them? Like what qualifies them to tell me about my life? And so if I start thinking about this, who should you listen to? And you, you get stuff like, okay, really smart people, people who have degrees or powerful people, right? Like maybe political people. Who do we listen to? And I need somebody to listen to who did something really extraordinary to prove to me they're worth listening to. And when you look at history, the only person who's done anything remotely like that is Jesus Christ, because he predicted he would rise from the dead and then he did it. So nobody else is qualified to tell me about the afterlife more than a guy Amen. who could say he's going to die and rise Absolutely. and then does it. So who cares about Muhammad? What did he do? He wrote a book. That's awesome. Dr. Seuss wrote a book. What did <laughs> Joseph Smith do? He wrote a book. Who cares? Like, do you know how many people write books that doesn't qualify you to tell us about these things? But a guy who predicts his death and resurrection and then does it, maybe I should listen to that guy. Maybe that's like God's stamp of approval on his message. And so that's what it always comes down to me is who's my authority and who is best qualified to tell me how reality works. Jesus Christ beats everybody. So that's why people fall away because they think they're better, their quality. And typically it's because they want to sin sexually most of the time, not always, wow. but a lot of time, or because they were hurt by somebody. But that doesn't qualify you to be an authority either. You can be mad at God. You can yell at him. You can not like him like David does in one third of the Psalms. But it's stupid not to believe in him. Great point. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it comes down to an authority issue. But man, there's nobody more qualified than Jesus Christ to tell Amen. us what reality is like. And he says this in his word. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And that word truth in Greek is aletheia. And it doesn't just mean a true proposition like two plus two is four. It does mean that, but it means reality. He's saying, I am the way and I am reality and I am life. That's powerful. And he's the one who is is in the best position to tell us about how the world really is. Amen. And I, I really like something that you said earlier in the podcast, Robbie, where you appealed to Christianity is not just a, a set of beliefs, right? That say, hey, I've embraced these beliefs, these, these ideas, these teachings. But at its very core and center is a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus. And one of the things I love about a biblical worldview that you learn more about Jesus, who he is. And not only that, but you get to a point in your Christian walk when you really know these things, Robbie, and more than know, you know him and you trust him. You trust him beyond doubts. You trust him beyond that. Not because it's a blind faith, 
but because like you, you said earlier, he rose from the dead. And there's over 500 witnesses to this, that he rose from the dead. And by modern standards, I don't even think we have books that testify to Aristotle, to Plato, or to no. a lot of these people of antiquity like we do that testify and give witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's and right. We, we trust have a lot in him of evidence. because Absolutely. he's trustworthy. Amen, he's brother. He's trustworthy. He's he is it. trustworthy. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Amen. I want to close with this, that to all those that are out there that are teeter-tottering on leaving the worldview that you have and going towards a biblical worldview, you know, sometimes that battle that mm. occurs within us is, is difficult because we're anticipating that we're, we're wrestling with something and it's, it's hard to let something go that you have held on to. And we hold on to stuff for various reasons, for various emotional reasons. We are going to have to repent. Sometimes we don't want to do that. Sometimes we are afraid to start judging our behaviors when we're in a world that doesn't like to judge at all. And sometimes we have to face a fear of, well, are we intolerant or whatever it is. Sometimes letting go of a worldview brings on grief. We have, to let, we have to grieve the, the stuff that we believe that was wrong and why we believe that was wrong and take on this new worldview that's biblical, that's Bible-based. And I, I just want to implore you to consider that, to, to move towards that, that even though you have to go through grief to Amen. get there it a lot of times, it. it is 100% worth it. It is so freeing. If you really want freedom, you think you have freedom now, you don't. You're a slave to that worldview. You will have freedom in Christ. It is worth every piece of grief that you have to go to, Amen. to have that healing. And our God is in the business of healing and binding our wounds. He can do that. So my question, my last question to you, Robbie, is what would you say to somebody who's wrestling with letting go of a worldly worldview and latching onto a biblical one? Yeah, I say you need to seek out what's real. That's it. Like, I, like and this is true, this is true for all of us, I hope. I don't want to be a Christian if it's not real. I, if Islam's true, I want to become a Muslim. If Mormonism is true, I want to become a Mormon because we should be truth seekers. We should be looking at the evidence of what's out there and saying what makes the most sense of how the world actually is. And Christianity by far proves itself to be true Amen. more than any other religion, any other worldview. And so I just encourage people, be honest and seek the truth. And this is what Jesus said, right? Seek and you will find. Didn't he say that? Didn't Paul say God's not far from any of us? This is the truth. So if you will seek out the evidence, God will show you that he's real and that the world is the way he says it is. So just be honest with yourself and, and seek it out. I love that answer. Thank you so much for that. Now, let's jump into our scripture section now. And the scripture that I brought is Colossians 2, 6 or 8, which is, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up, huh? mm. rooted and edified here, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So don't be duped. Amen. I brought Ephesians 2, 1 through 8, which is such a powerful, powerful passage. I think when it comes to worldviews, it literally boils down to two, right? If you really think about it, like in scriptures, the Lord would divide the word pretty much into two. The Jews who were believers and every other unbeliever is a Gentile. And I think sometimes in that sense, when it comes to a worldview, you have a biblical worldview and every other worldview is simply not a good worldview, right? Not a godly worldview. And I think this sums it up here where it says, 
and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But I love this part. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." And I love this because ultimately the Christian worldview offers a great treasure and it offers a great reward, eternal life, when you place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Robbie, did you bring a scripture today? Yeah, one of the things I really love, simple, but in, in John 8, 31 and 32, it says this, uh, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I think that's so important because lies enslave us, but truth sets us free. And um, we need to remember that. So we need to seek the truth in everything we do. Amen. I love that. Thank you so much. Now, yeah. if there is one thing that you'd want everybody to take away today, what would that be? Uh, just to make sure that your worldview makes sense. Um, it needs to be logical, it needs to be literal, and it needs to be livable. And I think if you try to find a worldview that fits all three of those categories, you'll only be able to find the Christian worldview. Amen, bro. All the other ones fail those three, those three criteria. Thank you so much, Robbie Lashua, for joining us. Thank you to all of our viewers and to our listeners for joining us today. We hope that this was beneficial to you. Don't forget that we are on social media. Don't forget to follow us and give us a like. We'll know that you're out there listening and watching and we'll be encouraged to continue to produce shows for you. And don't forget that we're on all major podcast platforms. And so check us out there, audio and video. So to close us out, would you mind praying for us, Robbie? Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this time that I have Manny and Cat Lord talking about you and um, talking about truth and talking about reality. God, I do pray for their listeners that they would be rooted and built up and edified in the truth, Lord, and that they would um, understand the world that you've made, the message that you've given us, and they live according to that. Lord, I pray for anyone out there who doesn't know you, that they would see that all of this starts with trusting in you as their Savior because of their sin and their separation from God, that they need you, Jesus. They need you to forgive them of their sins, to give them eternal life. And that only comes through placing our belief, our trust in you. Lord, I just pray that you bless this podcast, help it to reach many, many people, help it to be an encouragement, Lord, and help it to be something that you use for years to come to grow your kingdom, to disciple your people, and to encourage believers. Lord, we love you. It's your name we pray all these things, Jesus. Amen. 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 Something I was thinking about that I, we forgot to mention, I think, is that this Stand to Reason, this reality conference that we loved for students, I think it's middle school, high school, and young adults, that's available for purchase, correct? Yeah, people people can purchase the live stream. It's, it's, it's not out until the Dallas one, which is in February. So that's the one we will live stream. So people can purchase it and 
yeah, they can watch it uh, after we film it in February, or people could like live stream it at their church uh, when we're doing it, kind of have, like a mini conference on the screen. So if anybody's interested in that, they can just go to realityapologetics.com and get all the details. Perfect. All right, everybody. Till next time. Ciao. Thank you. God bless.